Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 46 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a triumph of a show lined up for you today. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you an interview with this week's guest, Nick Ebden. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Nick Ebden. We shall be exploring his ambitious project of developing an impressive UK hypnosis convention. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as many of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's just hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle dot com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all, today is this week's interview. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Nick Ebden to Hypnosis Weekly. Though I had casually brushed shoulders with Nick online, I only really got to know about him when I was contacted by him to be keynote speaker at the upcoming UK Hypnosis Convention that Nick and I will be discussing later on in today's show. One of the things that immediately struck me was Nick's openness, his candor, and also his level of humility. They're all qualities that I find very endearing, and I'm sure most of us do. I think these are qualities that come through in the first part of today's Hypnosis Weekly. So therefore, for now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume, sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to be joined this week by the one and only Mr. Nick Ebden. Nick, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Thanks ever so much for having me on. So, Nick, tell us, first of all, you know, how did you get into this field? Tell us a little bit about your background and, and let's get to know you. How, you've, how have you arrived where you are now within the, the hypnosis field? Okay, so my uh, entry into the field is probably similar to a lot of people. Mm. Uh, in other words, I experienced uh, hypnosis and hypnotherapy on the other end, i.e. I, uh, I went to see a, what was an NLP practitioner at the time. Um, I was suffering from insomnia many years ago and after two sessions um, my insomnia had been resolved and I think that was, that was the start of me becoming fascinated. Um, but what I was actually doing at the time was um, for pretty much all my um, professional life, I've been a trader. So, right. first, first foreign exchange and then uh, commodities. Um, I was a director at um, a big US investment bank. Um, I think that contributed to my insomnia. <laughs> but, um, and so, I was always, my speciality in trading was always as much playing mind games with the market that I was participating in, mm. as much as. Um, uh, using fundamentals or, or taking strategic positioning. So, I mean, that's going to come out later, I think, when we talk about evidence-based stuff uh, yeah. to yeah. discuss that. Uh, so, so yeah, I, um, I was there for 15 or so years. Um, towards the end of my time there, I suffered from uh, pretty bad anxiety and stress yeah. uh, that led me to having 
my one and only uh, panic attack in a dealing room of 250 people, a complete meltdown. Right. Um, and I was sort of hurried off the desk. <laughs> they didn't want to give anyone else any ideas. They hurried me <laughs> off the desk um, and then started a process of um, first being consulted by a psychiatrist who yeah. thought I was at a risk and then a process of CBT in Hardy Street. And I mean, my firm was very supportive. Yeah. And because they were so supportive, it kind of opened my eyes up to um, a different world. And funny enough, I don't... I'd, I'd already booked myself on um, an NLP course with uh, the NLP Academy yeah. um, the year before because I'd had a really good year and um, hadn't got what I wanted out of it and they gave me a sabbatical rather than a bonus, uh, very efficient. Um, <laughs> so while on that sabbatical, I, I thought, you know, I want to go back and explore NLP. I booked myself up for a practitioner, a master practitioner course, and then they, they dangled the carrot of more money. And more freedom, and I ended up going back. And I didn't stay there long until I had my sort of uh, episode with stress, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. And, and they were very supportive. I came back, but by then my eyes had been opened up to um, a number of things. Uh, firstly, psychiatrists get paid more, but do less than therapists. Yes. Uh, uh, it was. I loved the way that the therapist I worked with um, in Harley Street challenged me. It wasn't just a case of nodding and uh -huh and stuff like that. She really challenged me every step of the way. So, so uh, you were engaged in the process? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was absolutely hooked. I, I, I began to feel empowered, which it was something. You know, you can get paid all the money in the world, but if you don't feel empowered, you don't feel empowered, and it, and it sort of creeps into every facet of your life. And this, this little uh, lady therapist began to empower me, began to inspire me, and I thought, you know what? This is exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. And I, I think that's probably a similar story to a lot of people. They've, they've chosen to follow this path after experiencing the benefits of it. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then, yeah, so sorry. So then I, um, I started reading more. I, I read a lot of the typical books like The Road Less Travelled and um, there was a couple of Human Givens books was a great one. Yeah. Um, and then after that, by the time I came back, I, I just didn't want to do what I'd been doing for all of those years. So I studied CBT. Um, I liked it, but I also understood as well from my own personal perspective that some of the approaches and processes of some CBT therapists would be too long. Yeah. So too many uh, forms to be filled in, too many exercises to do. And I, I think they sort of, a lot of people would disengage from the process. Mm. Um, and, and then when I was, still, I was still at work at this time, they began to ask me to help other individuals that were suffering from stress. Yeah. And, and, and I found that, I found that really rewarding. I, I think if anything helped in my, you know, my progress back to being a better person um, was the ability to help others and to actually to have an impact on others as well. I know that sounds probably a little bit cliche, but it's true. No, 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 I, I, I get that. Um, and so, yeah, so I took the CBT and I thought, you know, the studies I did in CBT, they were sort of distance learning stuff. It was one of these NCFE um, diplomas. Yeah. But it was brilliant. It had all the information that I needed there. For me, and one of the process—I mean, CBT therapists use hypnosis as a process, as a tool, and they don't see it much more than that. Mm. I'd already experienced more of it in the past with the insomnia, um, and it was also very relevant to me with how I was or how I had been doing my job. Yeah, I mean, right. people's beliefs—you um, know—by. By convincing people I had a bigger position, I, I carried a better hand than I did when, when I was uh, interfacing with the market. So I, I, I thought CBT is great. I've got some brilliant tools having studied that, but now I want to become a hypnotherapist. And, and that's basically what I did. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking of hypnosis then, Nick. Um, I'm, you know, how do you define hypnosis? Oh. And I, I mean, I, 
head. Yeah, I, I know it's that question. Um, <laughs> I, and I know there's a million and one different answers to it. And we have had a crazy bunch of, you know, variants as far as the answers are concerned. Or perhaps you could tell us about, you know, your own exploration of arriving at any kind of definition or, or, or give us a, some kind of insight with regards to how you explain hypnosis to, to either your clients or, or students or, or, or others in general. All right, okay. So uh, I can combine that with, you know, the continuation of my story. So I, yeah. I, studied, I studied hypnotherapy. I, I got um, an accredited qualification. That, um, but I was still, and, and this is no detriment to, to the school and the person that trained me, I was still a little vague as to what it was. Yeah. Um, so I went back and, and studied with uh, omni-hypnosis, which is the Jerry Kine uh, oh, yes. training. Yeah, and and he uses the uh, I think you know uh, it's a very common definition which is the bypassing of the critical faculty and the establishment of selective thinking. So, yeah, you know, that that's what I teach. It's what I can I can comfortably bring in to um, my pre-talk or my conversation with my clients. Yeah. That said, um, I know that there isn't one definition of what hypnosis is. You know, and and. I've, I have listened to a lot of your podcasts and I love the, the range and diversity and yet the common thread that keeps, you know, ties all of them together. And I, I do think it comes down to a manipulation of belief. Mm, mm. And, 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 if, and if you're aware that you're doing that, that fits with whether it's bypassing the critical faculty, whether it's seeing things from a different perspective, whether it's using imagination to alter perception. It's all about, I think, just playing with belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, you mentioned Jerry Kine, and you <clears> mentioned, um, um, you know, a, a, another couple of people um, already as well. Can you tell us about some of your influences in this field, Nick? Um, some of the some of the books, some of the authors that have taught you the most, some of the teachers that have been most influential upon you, and perhaps just just give us a, an idea as to to the reasons why. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mentioned Jerry before, and I don't think you can mention Jerry or Omni with, without mentioning Dave Ellman. Of course. Um, so his book, obviously, the Hypnotherapy book, I'm, I know it's been mentioned on your podcast a number of times. Um, it is a great book. It, it ticks my book, uh, my box because it's simple. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a simple kind of guy, and, and I think it's a very easy read. It's one of those ones that you can probably read in a night. Um, so from, from a purely um, uh, hypnotherapy point of view, I think it's a great starting block. Yeah. And, and as far as influences go, I, I, I still um, I put my money where my mouth is. I am an omni-trainer. I still believe that Jerry Kine is my biggest influence. Yeah. Because when I found Jerry's work, I was a little despondent. Right. And his, um, his training program for me just gave me the confidence I needed um, to go out and hypnotise people. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think a lot of people, um, um, a lot of people's first training um, is, is, is sometimes that, that they discover it further down the line to be dissatisfactory mm -hmm. in, some, in some shape or form, and, but they find themselves perhaps better equipped to be able to to track down what what is right for them and what is going to do what you've mentioned there, and that is you know find find the 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 things that are uh, that that are going to give them the confidence to to go out and do this do this do this work and explore this wonderful field. Yeah, oh, definitely, and and that actually leads me to another one of my influences, which is uh, Melissa Tears. Yeah, I, I and, and she really sort of ignited. Um, not just uh, a new way of looking at stuff. Um, again, she's very much of uh, the, the approach of simplifying stuff. She looks at stuff as a meta pattern as opposed to um, convoluted approaches to NLP or what have you. Yeah. But, but I watched her at um, uh, NGH uh, convention, and I watched how she lit up the room. I watched how she was self-deprecating. She was honest. She swore like a trooper. Um, but she had this amazing energy. And, and I thought, you know what? I actually would like to be where you're stood right now. Yeah. And, and um, she also sort of introduced me to the overdurf stuff. Um, yeah. And, and 
she's a, she's another major influence. Another one which might not be too popular, but certainly has really contributed to the work that I do with people is um, Anthony Robbins. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Think the, I think the guy is incredible. Um, yeah, he is. You know, he's a force. He is a force. And, and do you know what? He, again, it's something, whether it's Jerry's approach to hypnosis, whether it's Melissa's approach to presenting, and whether it's his approach to change work, he keeps things relatively simple. Yeah. He, break, he breaks it down into parts that people can use and work with. Yeah. So I, I went and did his um, Core 100 strategic coaching, and I know some people sort of can talk their face and roll their eyes at it, but I've got to say it's really improved the work that I do with people. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You know what? I think it's potentially foolish to write anybody off that has been as successful as he has, you mm-hmm. know, and, and to, 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 to be snobby about somebody in that way, you know. There is lots out there that perhaps um, 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 many people might might sort of adopt some some intellectual degree of snobbery about. But I also think that um, there's a huge amount to learn and benefit from somebody such as him. And, um, you know, you you know, I've learned lots. I've learned lots. I I have been, you know, I've been on a, a, a number of. Um, his seminars, you know, I've, I've high five people and skip, and skipped my way, skipped my way out of his seminars to Dr. Alban's It's My Life while whooping, you know, I've done that stuff. And, and um, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, I pull his leg a little bit, but, you know, I think there's, there's massive to be learned um, with regards to that. Um, so, Nick, within the within within the field within your own experience tell us tell us what's been one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed oh um well i'm probably going to sound like a broken record and mention pain management and you know go for it uh, pain management there you go um I, i mean it's fantastic the i think there's two things i think you can look at what what you have been so impressed with as an application, and you can go on YouTube and you can see operations being done without any anesthesia whatsoever, and uh, it's just fantastic. But for, for me, the, the the thing that really opened my eyes was was personal experiences. When when I when I did stuff, and I'll be totally honest, in hindsight. I wasn't 100% sure it was going to work, but when it did work, wow, I was just blown away as the people that sat in the chair. Yeah. You know, the first time I worked with, I remember working with a lady with Parkinson's. Yeah. And, and she, she was on uh, medication for antidepressants. She was on medication to control her tremors. And after one session, she's, her tremors had stopped. She felt fantastic. And then sort of her husband was waiting outside <laughs> in the waiting room and she sort of went out there and said, I knew I didn't have Parkinson's, I'm coming off these antidepressants and this and the other. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I've created a monster. So I'm sort of doing this sign behind her back and her husband shaking her head as if to say. Um, but this was a lady who'd been to the NHS prescribed therapist and, and what have you, and she just couldn't pick herself up. Yeah. And to see one session of hypnosis, you know, it's, it's those first ones yeah. when they really validate to you what a great tool you've got. Yeah. I remember my first, I, I know it's a contentious issue, but I remember my first um, regression client. It was after I'd come back, done the Omni stuff, and I thought, you know what, no more scripts for me. I've, I've, I've had nothing but nightmares with scripts. I'm going to regress this guy. And he was a builder, and he was a bit of a jack the lad, and he, he'd been uh, institutionalised. He'd been under psychiatrists, he'd been under your amount of therapists, and he, we, we did the regression work. It was like he physically transformed in front of me. I know that sounds a bit naff, but it's the only way to describe it. Yeah. And then the way he described himself afterwards, like something had been removed through him, and the way he felt, and that he could see a light, and he was, you know, he was talking, and it was actually quite powerful um, for both of us. Yeah. I styled it out, but um, <laughs> it, was, it, it was it was really really powerful. And, and for me, that was a personal impressive application. I've got to be honest with you; I'm not so great on the pain stuff. I hold my hands up, and maybe that's because 
there's a little bit at the back of my mind that still says you shouldn't be able to cut someone open and jiggle around with their organs yeah. without giving them some kind of medication first. So, so I'll be honest enough, that's my own limited belief, but I'm blown away when I, when I see it on YouTube and on, on different videos. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I, um, I, I, I've had conversations with the guy that was um, uh, a bit of a darling of, of tabloid media and so on, a guy called Alex Lenke, who had full ankle replacement surgery, um, um, as well as having, you know, uh, over the years, um, he also had um, um, a big a walnut um, sized lump removed from the back of his hand. Um, so major surgical interventions using only hypnosis, and um, it's incredible to hear the the, the, yeah. the discussions. You know, I, I absolutely hear that. You know, and and for for people, you know, it's always worth going and googling the um, the hypnosurgery uh, documentary that was on More Four Channel that can be found for free on YouTube. And I just had a guy with a hernia. Was yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the epigastric hernia with Dr. John Butler. You know, mm. just 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 awesome stuff. You know, gets up and gets up and strolls out of the studio. Um, um, yeah, so I, I really appreciate that. Um, Nick, if you could go back to when you started out as a hypnotherapist, um, I was started out as a, as a hypnosis professional, you know, knowing, knowing what you know now and having gone through the experiences that you've gone through now, is there anything you'd do differently? And if so, what? And, and is there any advice that the person you are today would give that, that younger version of you? And, and, you know, would you extend that advice to, to our listeners? Um, I think uh, I think for me, I was very fortunate from a financial point of view, from a time point of view, the fact that I had I had ongoing other um, revenue streams that I had the luxury of throwing a lot of shit at the wall and seeing what stuck. Where right. where I don't think most people do have that luxury. So what I would say to them is, don't do what I do. Do your research a lot better. Yeah. Find out what works for a lot of other people. Yeah. And if, if that and, and that doesn't mean going on the most extensive elaborate course because you know a, a week with Anthony Jacqueline is going to be worth ten months with someone else, but be prepared to invest in the right people after doing your research. Yeah, I I, I think I I've stumbled you know because I because I've had the luxury of being able to I've stumbled with marketing uh, mistakes with. Um, Doing courses in in hindsight were absolutely terrible, yeah. um, and and that probably leads me on to the, the second bit of advice is you know beware of the false prophets the, the the people who try and either sell you a, a one fix all process, yeah. Um, they're they're invariably not selling you anything. No. Or, or even worse, they're selling you something while simultaneously trying to sell you something else that does exactly the same thing that you shouldn't need if you was doing that one. So there's plenty of that around. Yeah. Um, I think getting under, you know, again, this is why I like Jerry. Jerry might not be right about everything, but what he will say is this is just a really good platform. It's a good base. I want you to go and explore hypnosis. I want you to discover and pioneer and do new things. So make sure that you understand process and you understand what it is you're working with rather than sort of empty patter or the reliance on scripts yeah. or, or heavily um, reliance on theory and, and not enough practical application. So I think, I think you, can, you can work with the right people and in a few days understand the process um, yeah quite easily and, and then it's getting the right balance yeah you know it's 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 and it's learning what works for you as well like i say i've had the luxury of learning what doesn't work for me plenty of times not everyone is going to have that luxury so so make good choices yeah that might that might mean spending more money that might mean waiting for the right course to come along it might mean um, staying up late at night and reading something that you don't really want to read, but it might give you a, a bit of an insight or light at the end of the tunnel of yeah. something that's stopping you. So, um, and don't be afraid to to muck up. Mm. I think that is the world's biggest problem with uh, 
newbie hypnotists. Fear of failure. Because of their training, you know, I, I hammer it into people. Do it, do it, do it. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? Just go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, and you kind of want people to come out of the blocks because if they don't, they haven't got any momentum. And, and then when they do decide six months down the line, you know what, I will be a hypnotist, they're then going to have to go and reinvest in a new hypnosis training program because they've lost everything. Yeah, 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 I get that. Um, 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 I really appreciate, um, um, you know, a lot, a lot of what you said there. Um, tell me, Nick, um, um, what are your thoughts about evidence-based approaches to hypnotherapy then? Wow, you're asking an ex-city guy his, his um, views on them. I'm, I'm really, um, I've, I can see the argument from both sides. Mm. And I really can. I know you're very strongly evidence-based. I'm not. I'm not blowing smoke up your backside. I understand, and hopefully I can explain both sides of it. I think. I think anyone who totally dismisses anything that's evidence-based is very limited, and I think they do so from um, a weak position. Mm. Uh, that's it, you know, I wouldn't say entirely rely on it, but I, I think to, and I know there are people out there who can be completely dismissive of it. Yeah. And I don't think they, I don't think they understand the value of it when they do dismiss it. Um, but also as well, I do think there's people that place an overly reliant emphasis on it, and I think that can be limiting to them just as much as well. So, I mean, in my experience, I, I you know, I can, I can put it in the context of when I was in the city. I had to justify having positions. I had to justify the reasons for doing stuff. Yeah. I had to, to justify the reason why I wanted to go home uh, owning 10,000 tonnes of copper. Yeah. Um, and if I couldn't come up with a reason, um, then I've lost my managers, I've lost the, the people in the risk department uh, and, and, and what have you. So I had to be able to give reasons for it mm, to better defend that stance exactly yeah and, yeah and and those reasons would often often come in the form of supply fundamentals sure or technical analysis it's, it's, it's all evidence-based yeah i sometimes even if you're right saying it's your gut or this that, and the other just isn't enough yeah um, yeah, because you, and, and and that's and that's carried on actually into because i do a lot of work with people up in the city because i'm working with traders and brokers and what have you some of them are intelligent guys who want to pull stuff apart and they want to understand why it works. Yeah. And I can't, you know, I can't just say, well, you know, trust me on this. Because I have problems enough trying to overcome the woo-woo of, it, of hypnosis with some of these people anyway. So yeah. if I can say, well, you know, try this breathing technique. You know, I, I tell, for instance, I use a 478 breathing technique. Yeah, and they'll go, hmm, and they'll, you know, they'll sort of be dismissive. And I'll say, well, don't take my word for it. This all comes from a study in '75 and Harvard, blah blah blah. And all of a sudden, they're on the side. Yeah. Um, and and you know, maybe I have to do that more than other people because of the, the type of people I'm working with. Yeah. Um, and, and not just that as well. If, if you're working with evidence, it's not it's not just telling you. Um, it's not just pointing out the fact of the stuff that will work and what won't work. Sometimes stuff can work contrary to the evidence. But if there's evidence to use as a barometer, then you can discover what it is that's working even though it shouldn't be, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I'm always keen to, to get across is that, um, you know, you know I, I'm not an absolute science fascist, you know. Um, that there, are some, there are some things with regards to... You know, you know, I, I like my work to be evidence based because I think it's um, um, because I think it's responsible. But but more importantly, you know, if uh, it's not about being right, as far as I'm concerned, no. it's not about saying, you know, I'm right and everything else is wrong. It's um, um, it, it's a very flexible position to have, because if something come along that something comes along that, that supersedes the existing position, I will yield, you know, um, yeah. I, I will yield. It's about being able to make you know, some of the more accurate predictions with regards to what we do. And also, you know, a lot of what we do as hypnotherapists in very 
very general terms. You know, a lot of what I do as a hypnotherapist doesn't have specific, you know, peer-reviewed, randomized, controlled trials mm -hmm. to support it. You know, I mean, what, what I say on my own website, you know, a lot of the a lot of the audios that we sell, we've not been able to conduct trials to 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 really sit comfortably saying that this is definitely going to be successful. However, some of the principles that underpin it are based upon good, you know, psychological um, um, principles that are evidence based. And so, you know, I, I, I understand, I understand your stance and I understand, um, um, you, you know, the 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 um, the the sort of. Uh, the, the the middle ground a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've, I've given an example in a city where um, having evidence, having statistics, having data is very important. Yeah. On on the flip side as well, it can you know if you're not like you said, if you're not prepared to be flexible, if you're not prepared to to do it without data, it can be very limiting. You know, I worked, I spent years working with economists and analysts and controllers. Who wouldn't be able to sit in a seat and make money? Yeah. Even though they've got all the data in the world. Even worse, I think what we experienced in the banking world was that they think because they have hard evidence that they can model it necessarily all the time successfully. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then what you get is stuff like the banking crisis because they don't bring in outside factors. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know they they package, they build these models, they build these 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 whiz kids build these option models, and they don't factor in greed, stupidity, someone defaulting, yeah. and yeah. Um, and and I think that I think you can translate that to a therapy room as well, where sure evidence based stuff can help, but if you don't look at it in the right way and the right context, it can also be limiting. Absolutely. You know, I, I think you draw a very, very wise parallel there, um, um, you know, and and that is, you know, within within a clinical trial, for example, you have to remove, um, you know, in order to, to do your best to isolate the hypnotic effect. For example, mm -hmm. you have to remove things like expectancy. You know, you have to measure expectancy to see how how much expectancy is influencing the outcome rather than actual hypnosis. Likewise, you know, you, you don't have quite the same relationship that would exist between a hypnosis professional and the client. You know, the working alliance, which evidence shows the working alliance alone advances the efficacy of a treatment. You know, so there's there's lots of extenuating circumstance contextual influences and and a wide number of things and so you know clinical trials very often have to be you know very very measured very standard sure. standardized in a way that just wouldn't occur within within therapeutic environments so you know i i think the analogy there um makes a lot of sense um, um, um it really does um, um we're 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 going to speak um, um, a whole bunch more about the UK Hypnosis Convention and and your involvement with with, with pioneering and creating that. Um, um, for now, Nick, where can people go to learn more about your work and and what you do, your approach to hypnosis, and so on? Um, okay, so probably I've got two real sites that I work from. The first one is www.advancedhypnosis.co.uk. Um, so that's for therapy and training. And then if they want to find out more about the, the Omni certification course that I do, yeah. that would be www.omnihypnosis.london. Omnihypnosis.london. And we will put um, links to both of those sites that's right. um, um, on, the, uh, uh, on the page for this particular episode. Um, for now, thank you ever so much, Nick. That was really interesting. We will be back with Nick Ebden in just a few moments. Thank you. I enjoyed that. Really lovely guy. As I said, we'll be back with Nick for our professional discussion shortly. On to this week's hypnosis in the news then. This week I'm focusing on a single story to have featured in the media, though that single story has many component parts of the issues which feature 
often across the media, um, I mean, in very general uh, terms, as far as uh, uh, articles about hypnosis are concerned. Um, it's an article that featured in the Daily Express newspaper here in the UK. And yes, yes, you're right. They did actually write an article that wasn't about Princess Diana. So um, I'm in the Daily Express newspaper here in the UK. And this article was entitled, Could Hypnotherapy Cure Your Food Addiction? Quit Sugar Just By Listening To A Tape. That was their title. Could hypnotherapy cure your food addiction? Quit sugar just listening to a tape. A tape? Come on, Express. Um, I mean, who listens to tapes anymore? Um, excuse me being pedantic, but yeah, tapes. Anyway, the article offers an opening sentence and then has a clip of the hypnotherapist that features in this article, who's based in central London, um, um, a video clip of him working with a client. And there are two points I want to make about the, uh, about the clip. First of all, his hypnotic voice, and second of all, his script reading. So with regards to, to voice, is it really necessary for hypnotherapists or any kind of hypnosis professional to adopt and affect a Hush FM DJ voice? You know, a big hello to all you truckers out there. You know, do we really need to adopt this uh, this Hush FM DJ voice? You know, uh, we're not talking to truckers at 3 a.m. in the morning while playing 1980s love songs on the radio. We are not trying to lull them to sleep. Sleep is, you know, according to many, the opposite of what we're seeking as far as hypnosis is concerned, surely. So why is it that so many hypnotherapists suddenly adopt this rather unusual, nay, bizarre tonality and manner of talking? Talking when they're doing hypnosis. You know, perhaps some of you are thinking, oh, I'm a bit harsh, Adam. Um, um, you know, you, do you have sand in your underpants this episode? I understand that when we want to relax a client or create a calm atmosphere, then a shrill, loud tone is not likely to aid our cause. Relax! You know, relax, will ya? Uh, that, that's not ideal. You know, I get that. Um, I, I wonder if you've ever seen that meme that um, did the rounds on Facebook where the Daleks were doing a relaxation track. It's very funny. Do go and Google it. Uh, it makes my point really well. Um, but I think we can be too affected in the other direction, too. And I'm not sure how useful it is to suddenly adopt this poor attempt at doing an, an impression of Barry White having smoked three joints. Really slow, really deep and quite unlike the way we'd communicate usually. Now, my point with regards to this hypnotherapist reading a script, again, I can understand individuals paying attention to scripts that have been used in research or examining, you know, examining standardised methodologies that are used in research. I can even understand people having a checklist of some important things to be included within the session written down to, to, to sort of you know, make sure that they're including everything that they aimed to within that session. But how can you, when you're reading a script, how can you connect with the individual? How can you truly deeply observe their ongoing reality? How can you be aware of their experience if you are just reading? And what are people likely to think, you know, if, if they think they're just paying you to read to them? You know, I just paid this guy £250 an hour to read me a script. Is that value? You know, I prefer you know, from a personal point of view, not to have to rely on a script and simply understand the rationale behind whatever technique I was using and be able to hang my own language off of that while connecting deeply and being right there present with my client. But heck, this is all simply my own subjective biased opinion. You know, I, I want to be honest about that. Um, aside from opinions, however, this article refers to the NHS position on hypnosis and cites that the NHS stance that, um, and I quote, hypnosis is widely promoted as a treatment for various long-term conditions and for breaking certain habits. This is despite the fact that there's no strong evidence to support these uses. Well, you know what, NHS and Daily Express, there are actually. In fact, you know, go Google uh, randomised controlled trials. Go and look at some of the research references and seminal studies that, that I post, let alone, you know, what the authors of those studies have posted with regards to, 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 to it being a treatment for some of those conditions and certainly for habit breaking. Um, 
However, the article progresses and then finally starts to address its application regarding addictions. In the case of this article, it's a sugar addiction. Um, and the, the hypnotherapist star of our video clip now starts to be quoted on some stuff. And he's quoted as saying, The deep state of relaxation you experience during hypnotherapy has often been compared to the state of being that is achieved from meditation. Okay, so hypnosis and relaxation are not correlated. You can be relaxed and not hypnotized, and you can be hypnotized and not be relaxed, you know. In fact, I'd go as far to say that many people who are hypnotized for the first time in particular are far from relaxed, especially those with anxiety-related issues. However, don't take my word for it. Go and explore the research of Eva Banye, who with Hilgard in the 1970s and then again on her own in the 1990s, showed that you can respond beautifully to hypnosis without being relaxed and that hypnosis is definitely not a sleep-like state. I've discussed this in previous issues uh, of Hypnosis Weekly, so I won't bore you regular listeners. However, uh, that this particular hypnotherapist goes on to say and is quoted in the article as saying, this is because you quietening the conscious part of your mind, allowing the subconscious to take over. Hypnosis is the process of rewiring your subconscious mind in order to make you think differently, not act differently. Allowing the subconscious to take over? Rewiring your subconscious mind? What does that mean? Evidence shows us that there's no such thing as an actual, tangible subconscious mind. It does not exist in tangible terms. So how can it be rewired? Secondly, even if you use the notion of a subconscious mind as a metaphor, what actually does any of that mean? You know, it's potentially really misleading and the evidence um, that this field does have to support it generally tends to disagree and refute this notion. With many academics believing that this type of misleading explanation of hypnosis actually detrimentally affects the outcomes of therapy. Why don't more people know about that? The article goes on to explain that there was some moderate success for, for the client um, who had two sessions with this hypnotherapist and then used uh, audio tracks to reinforce the messages. Um, but nothing that would be considered a huge victory. You know, it's a moderate, it's a sober victory, um, and which is a good thing, I think. Um, but I can't help thinking that if hypnosis was explained differently, correctly, you know, conceptualised in an evidence-based way and with strategies being applied that would really advance the success of, of you know, the, the, the therapy, it could have been a different story. More importantly, though, for me, is the continued image and portrayal of hypnosis to the public through these media channels, where those who do grab the media coverage portray hypnosis in this way, which is read by many and thusly perpetuated, which strikes me as a bit of a shame. Anyway, links to this particular media story are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I've also included a link uh, for anybody that's uh, new to the podcast and uh, um, um, is suddenly thinking, oh, wow, this, um, uh, this, th this podcast guy is... Uh, um, uh, suggesting there's no such thing as an unconscious mind. I'll just put a link to a series of resources that you can go and read with regards to that. Um, um, and, and, you know, hopefully you'll understand both sides of this discussion. Next up, we have this week's professional discussion. Then I welcome back Nick Ebden. As I mentioned earlier, I was contacted by Nick and asked if I'd present a lecture during the day and then deliver the keynote presentation in the evening at the gala dinner. And for those interested, I'll be delivering a ram-packed lecture on hypnosis in the brain, the neuroscientific perspective of hypnosis during the day on the Saturday of the convention. Um, it's one uh, for the hypnosis super geek and those who are genuinely interested in what neuroscience says about hypnosis and how hypnosis can reciprocate and tell us much about the brain too, in particular with regards to pain. Um, I'll be delivering a lighter keynote presentation later on that evening about some of the classic feuds that the hypnosis field has encountered throughout its history, looking at how Braid and Elliotson fought, how Bernheim and Charcot got cross with each other, how Emile Coué rejected the famous Nazi school of hypnosis, and I'll also explore and speak about the theory wars of the 1970s and how all of these feuds have actually resulted in some of the more productive times for developing the understanding of hypnosis. Heck, 
with friends of this podcast, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl and Larry Elman, who are going to be present at the convention too, giving a number of presentations. I'll also delve into the feud between Ericsson and Elman somewhat too. Talk about a few of the things that might not be aware of as far as that's concerned. Anyway, one of the things that helped me decide to accept the invitations of speaking was the fact that many respected professional peers and friends of this show will be presenting there too. In particular, Anthony Jackwin, Gary Turner, James Tripp, as well as numerous others. Before I did decide, I asked Nick about the ethos of the event, the underpinning ideology, how it all came to be. And understanding those things, um, well, what meant... What resulted in me really joining the ranks of the speakers at this particular event? And I thought that would be a good discussion for you all to hear too. So that's what we discuss here. Here is this week's professional discussion with Nick Ebden. Enjoy. So I'm joined once again by this week's guest, Nick Ebden, and we're going to be talking all things UK Hypnosis Convention. Um, um, Nick, welcome back. C- can you first of all, first of all, tell us, you know, um, 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 just give us a, a really brief outline about what the convention is and tell us a little bit about the background of it, how it came to be, first of all, and then we'll explore it a little bit more depth as we go on. OK, sure. So... Um... Well, the, the decision to uh, do the convention this year was based um, on a conversation I had last year um, with a guy called Hans Woody Whipf, and he he um, he owns on the hypnosis now, um, following on uh, from Jerry's retirement. And what he's been doing for the last three or four years in Europe and Switzerland is something called Hypnos Congress. Yeah. Dot uh, net, which is. Um, kind of loosely modelled on uh, some of the other hypnotic conventions around the world, as in um, very open, very inclusive. Um, it's not um, any association or training school uh, specific, so everyone's welcome to come. But what he, do, what he has been doing, and this will be the fourth year he's done it, is have a convention where anyone's welcome to come, uh, obviously, we can't accommodate everyone who wants to speak, but as many people as possible. Um, and instead of, um, I, I don't, um, I don't believe that I can pick who are the right speakers for people because um, I want to give people choice. Um, and so we have got a number, a multitude of speakers uh, talking simultaneously. It's, I'm trying to plan it so nothing clashes as far as um, uh, uh, context or or, or what, the speech, uh, what the speeches or presentations are about. But basically, it's a very open forum. It's, it's held over two days, including um, pre-convention classes and post-convention classes. Um, the the convention starts on the Saturday morning, runs all the way through. We have the option of uh, attendees attending a gala dinner, of which we've got a very famous speaker. Yeah, uh, I've, I've and, heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> and, um, and, then, and then, obviously, we do this, the same again uh, Sunday. And so I had a conversation with uh, Hans Roydy, and I said, do you know what? You really should. I, I knew, I was aware that there wasn't going to be another um, change phenomena. Mm. Um, because I've got so much respect for what uh, Anthony try- and Head Hackers tried to do with that. You know, they wanted to share the wealth of uh, talent and knowledge that was out there. Yeah. And it was kind of like everyone joining and share it with us kind of thing. Yeah. And, and Han- what Hans Woody was doing in Switzerland was very akin to that as an approach where, you know, we wasn't stamping who we were, you know, you're not going to see, um, you're not going to see um, a logo of mine throughout the whole weekend. I just want to put something on that everyone, if they're interested in hypnosis, if they're interested in therapy, in NLP or any of the related fields, is going to come along and they're going to leave at the end of the weekend having learned something, being, uh, having more knowledge, having made more friends and, and ultimately having had a lot of fun. Brilliant. Brilliant. And so, what about um, you know? The, the, what about the ethos that underpins the event? Then you know. The, so, so, so there's a, the, there's an idea that we're that we're embracing. And one of the things that I quite liked 
about it is that, that the ethos almost you know was was a reflection and was 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 parallel to the kind of ethos that that, that I have with this with this podcast you know that we we embrace diversity and so on am am I right with regards to that well yeah i mean as as uh, people may be aware or may not be aware you are our esteemed keynote speaker yes and and there's a reason for that and then that is because it is intended to have a very similar ethos to what these podcasts were intended to do. Yeah. To enlighten people, to throw it open to all the different approaches to hypnosis, all the different beliefs, um, and instead of, um, as, as some of the forums can uh, be intolerant, yeah. to do absolutely the opposite, which is basically, well, why don't you sit in a room for an hour and learn what that person does and then you might not judge them. Yeah, and, 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 and remain friends. Yeah, um, ultimately, we're, we're going um, uh, to be, uh, I don't want to sound like David Cameron at the moment, but we're going to be <laughs> stronger together. If, if, even if we yeah. disagree, by the way, that's not my political persuasion, but even, <laughs> if, we, even if we disagree um, fundamentally, the, the the real winner is going to be hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that really was the whole idea behind it. Um, and, and that is why you were chosen um, as, to be the keynote speaker, because not only the podcast, but a, a lot of uh, recent um, blogs that you've been done have, have highlighted how we can be a little bit intolerant of other approaches, other methods and... And what have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's music to my ears. Um, um, on a real practical level, then, um, what can you know? What can the attendees expect when they get there? When they get to the conference, what, what uh, to the convention? What, what can they expect? What, what, what will, what will be going on? Um, so basically, we've got the whole of the uh, conference suite at the uh, Hilton in Canary Wharf. So the, we've got the scope to put on. Um, uh, a number of presentations running concurrently. And, and as I said before, they, they shouldn't compromise one another. So um, there's, there's, you know, if, if people are talking about children, they're not going to be talking while someone else is talking about hypnosis with children. We're, we're, yeah. We've staggered the day. So there's going to be a, uh, a welcome meeting in the main room. Um, there's going to be, for speakers, an opportunity to uh, sell their products. Um, an area to sell their products and obviously for attendees to buy the products after they've been blown away by the presentations of those speakers. Yeah. Um, and there's there's nice breakout areas. We're going to have a few spare rooms at any one time so people can escape. They can, uh, they've got room to catch up without having to, you know, change floors or disappear somewhere. And, um, and so we've got these presentations running throughout the whole of the day. And then obviously in the evening, um, we're trying to keep the same format as the Hypno Congress, and that format has been to have a gala dinner, to have presentations. Um, because it's our first one, there's going to be 30, uh, 37 entries for the best newcomer at the convention. So um, <laughs> we're going to we're going to give awards. You know, just I think it brings people together. I, I, funny enough, I sounded An Anthony uh, Jackson out about that, and he said, "Yeah, it sounds fun. Go for it." Um, because obviously we haven't got the track record that the rest of the Hypno Congress conventions have. And then if you're really interested, the convention then will continue the following weekend in Berlin. Yeah. So um, and I think it's never going to be a dull moment now. No. I, think, I think I'm going to try as best to stay front of house to, to try and make it, although there obviously are going to be presentations that I'm going to want to sneak in at the back. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going to be accessible to everyone. There's going to be a group of staff accessible to everyone, but you know the the main emphasis is that we want everyone to be tolerant, everyone to have fun, and everyone to make the most of every minute. Because I I, I really do think some of this scale um, hasn't been attempted before. I think change phenomenon has had the quality always consistently and, and now I think we're, we're trying to emulate the scale of the Hypno Congress uh, stuff in Switzerland. Yeah. I mean, so it's, a, know, it's yeah. a bit of a gamble but if you look at the lineup, it's not really a gamble because um, you know from from you Adam to we've got the best of the UK 
and we've got some of the best of the international hypnotists and NLPers coming, and he's yeah. he's going to be fantastic. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of friends of the show that mm. are that are that are going to be there who who I cannot, you know, some of them who I've only ever you know just just spoken to online. So I'm really excited about about meeting them and and getting to hang out. And um, you know, I think I think. One of the things that I always love about about conventions, conferences, the same way that I, I like it about when we're running my own quarterly peer support groups down here in Bournemouth, for example, is just being amongst professional peers is very healthy for us, you know, not just in terms of motivation, but also, you know, the, the role, the, the, the prominent role of a hypnotherapist tends to be quite isolating. And, you know, you're, you're in a room with 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 your clients the vast majority of the day you know you're working on your business in a fairly solitary fashion a lot of the time and you know it's wonderful to come in from the cold and and to to come and you know explore the field hear what others are doing see what's working you know get some insight explore you know altering perspectives which there are in abundance and and also get to meet people in real you know um, mm, because we, we all have online personas um what we have online personas and it's always lovely to go and you know see what people are like in, in real life as well yeah i mean uh, that's that's really true you know uh, you can spend hours um watching videos of whether it's bob Byrne doing the swans or uh, andy jacqueline doing uh, some street stuff um but it's not the same. You're, you're only learning a certain percentage of it, and and the other bit that you get when you meet them in person, yeah, um, you, you, you know, you get that other bit that, that really sort of uh, it's the icing on the cake of why that person's successful, yeah, why what that person does works and, and what have you. And I think you only get it when you meet them, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, um, it certainly is, is, you know, the most ambitious hypnosis event to, to hit the UK. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And for everybody listening, you know, I'm, I'm off, off air. Uh, Nick and I were, were, were chatting about it. And I said, you know, my, my absolute, for any of you, you know, weighing up whether you're going to come or not, my absolute... A game is going to be uh, brought with me for that for that particular event. Um, um, Nick, tell us where can people go to learn more about this event? Um, the website is uh, www.ukhypnosisconvention.net. Ukhypnosisconvention.net or .co.uk or .co.uk, and um, the convention has a Twitter account as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, good question. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it's UK Hypnosis my, Conv. It is. It is. Off the top of yeah. my head, I was just going to say it's UK Hypnosis Conv. And the reason I know that is because it's up in front of me because I'm uh -huh. ready to hit a tweet out there to the world the minute we finish this call to let everybody know that we've been having this call. Wow. You yes. are supercharged efficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, if the um, convention, if the convention doesn't work, I'm going to come and work for you because you sound <laughs> like the sort of organised guy. <laughs> um, I'm, um, um, you know, I, I'm really pumped. I'm really looking forward to this. There's going to be some some wonderful people there. Um, um go and um, um, those of you listening, go and have a, have a good look at the the convention. Go and have a look at the speakers. Go have a look at what's going on. Um, um there's some really exciting stuff that's that's occurring. Um, um, Nick, we're 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 just about out of time. Um. Um, thank you ever so much for coming, thank joining for me, me on Hypnosis Weekly. I'm really looking forward to meeting you in real life um, in a couple of months' time. And um, um, I wish you the best of luck with the UK Hypnosis Convention. Um, um, Nick Ebden, uh, thank you. Thank you very much.
thoroughly enjoyed that discussion. I look forward to the convention later this year and getting to hang out with Nick in real life. Him and I chatted a great deal off there. He's really investing himself in this UK hypnosis convention. And I love that it has a very similar ethos behind it that this very podcast does in welcoming people of varying stances and backgrounds, um, yet remaining friends, respecting each other's stances and so on. And heck, having some fun. Um, I like the way that Nick referred to us uh, uh, in the hypnotherapy field being stronger together, to use his words, very pertinent here in the UK, as we're all off to the polls for our EU referendum this week. Maybe Nick was having a go at some subliminal messaging there. Uh, There's a link to the website of Nick Ebden over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website and a link to the website of the UK Hypnosis Convention too. If you do attend, uh, I hope you'll come and watch my presentation and then come and have a chat with me at some point throughout the day. I'd really like that. Let's have a cup of tea or a G&T. So on to our uh, evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week. It's this. Pre- and perioperative hypnosis and suggestion resulted in reduced bleeding, less post-operative swelling and improved recovery following surgery performed under general anaesthesia. Um, And that's as a result of two very well-conducted Um, studies by Enkvist and colleagues back in the 1990s. And that's just that hypnosis used prior to and during um, um, surgery resulted in reduced bleeding, um, um, lower swelling, improved recovery, um, but also um, a lot less stress. And there are a link to both journal entries for the two studies at this episode's page at the Hypnosis Weekly website for those of you that would like to go and uh, have a good uh, rummage around and explore of those particular studies. So that's it for this week. The next edition of Hypnosis Weekly is not going to be for another two weeks as I'm away teaching uh, my college's advanced hypnotherapy diploma next week. That's right, teaching a bunch of already qualified um, seasoned pros. I do have many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all remaining friends. And to remain, um, to repeat, I should say, all the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website at www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Next time out, I welcome creator of one of the best-selling hypnosis audio programs of all time of this conversational hypnosis program, Mr. Igor Ledechowski. Uh, you're going to love that one, I assure you. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions, so please do message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website. I'll make sure that they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again go to Nick Ebden. My thanks to you as always for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.